Hello, everyone, and welcome to the the fourth episode now um, of the Blue Crossword Podcast. Today with me, um, I have ward member Brother Art Peak with me. Hello, hello, Brother Peak. Hello, Sam. Good to be good to be with you too. I'm I'm very excited for this episode, and I know a lot of people at home will also be excited for this episode. So. Um, for those of you uh, who haven't already tuned in, I'll go through some of the basics and then uh, for Brother Peak so he can just get some things cleared up. So um, first we'll start with some uh, questions and these are for every single interview. Every single person will have these same questions. Um, so if you've tuned in for previous episodes, these will be the exact same questions you're familiar with. Then we go to the rapid fire segment. Um, so also... Uh, if, if you've tuned in before, this should be a, a familiar theme. Um, and I'd like to note to viewers at home that within these next following months, we will be changing up this monthly segment. Um, so once we get next month, that, that'll change up. So then um, we're going to talk about word history. And that's that's what I'm most excited for, because uh, Brother Peak is, he loves that. And he has a lot of interesting stuff to share. Um, so are you ready, Brother Peak? I am. Thank you. Okay, so what motivates and inspires you? Why do you get up in the morning? Okay, um, you know what motivates me the most is people. And uh, people have always motivated me. I have never liked, I've always liked to be around people. I need people to energize myself, to motivate me. And so uh, I have just always have loved to be around people. I love hearing their stories. I love watching them. There was a moment, uh, a time or two, when I went to grad school in Madison. For anyone who out there has been to Madison, there's a famous street there down from the Capitol called State Street. And sometimes I would just go there and sit on a wall and watch people. So, um, so that's like who serve others selfishly, uh, anonymously, and in our ward. There are so many in our community, and uh, so many in my life that do that. And uh, the other thing that, as you mentioned, um, what makes me get up in the morning uh, besides breakfast. Uh, specifically uh, biscuits, biscuits and gravy for anyone out there who to really um, uh, treat me well. It would be biscuits and gravy for breakfast. But um, I always in my mind have three sets of tasks. One is for the day following. So I wake up and I have a set of tasks in my mind. And then I have another set of secondary tasks that if I don't get done in the day, then I will get done the next day. And then a third set of tasks, which usually is my three to four day list. And I am very task driven. I have always been that. My social worker has taught me that, especially in working with people. Um, because people's problems accumulate. And so when I would deal with an issue and try to resolve it, I did not want to sit on it and wait until the next day, because you know what? The next day, additional problems would come professionally within the lives of people. So I've learned to be a very task-orientated person. So that's really what motivates me, what gets me up in the morning are people and tasks. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great message that you're, you're motivated by people. Um, and you mentioned working as a social worker. So um, I've always appreciated seeing how people, their, their inspirations and motivations, how that ties into their line of work. And this yeah. is a perfect example. And you said that uh, the biscuits and gravy gets you up in the morning um, and that, I'm I'm the crowd that that appeals to. Um, oh, are you is, good? I I love biscuits and gravy, and there's I mean, 
there's nothing better than a, than a good set of biscuits and gravy. Well, Sam, <laughs> you know, let me give you a little secret. You need to go to truck stops. Truck stops have the best biscuits and gravy. And the best biscuits and gravy thus far that I've eaten is in Lusk, Wyoming. So for those of you, you need to look on the map to find Lusk, Wyoming. And there you will find the best biscuits and gravy at a truck stop. We have uh, some family out west, so we'll see if we can stop by Lusk next time we're out there to, okay. to find a truck stop. Um, yeah. Um, in your life, how have you confirmed the teachings and doctrine of the church? Okay. That's a great question, Sam. You know, you know, throughout my life, uh, you know, growing up, I've been around great people. Back then when it was just a tiny little branch and, you know, because of the size have come and gone. And I have watched so many people, again, minister selfishly and And I love that about people. Sometimes, you know, it's, we don't need a lot of aggrandizement to let people know what we've done. And it's just sort of the, the humble, quiet uh, service that, uh, that I like to do myself as well as what I've seen in others. And, you know, I... I I decided early on to to and I realized I was not smart enough for that, and so I I did the next best thing, and that was to become a social worker, because uh, I'm I'm not a brainy person, and and so uh, I kind of I rule my my life with my heart, and so. So the question you ask about of the church and how I've seen it manifested really has been within my role as a social worker. You know, there is such a need of compassion. So many people um, do not have the resources to overcome adversity. And so many people do not have coping skills to deal with what life has. And you know, sometimes we are our own worst enemy, and sometimes we ourselves get ourselves into situations, and that is true for many of the people that I've dealt with in my life professionally. But nonetheless, regardless if they, they were victims and or they were or um, just happen to be circumstance involved in situations. Um, all of us are God's children, and um, all of us need to be and help each other. I remember one time when I was going to graduate school in Madison, I had the, uh, a really great opportunity to be with Desmond Tutu, of the Archbishop of South Africa. Um, he spoke to a number of us there. And uh, I remember one of his statements that says, I am not my brother's keeper. I am my brother's brother. And that's kind of been my life's philosophy. And that's how I've seen Savior uh, manifested in the lives um, that I've interacted with is really, I am my brother's brother and uh i enjoy helping others as well as i clearly have been the recipient of many a helping hand and prayer and blessings in my life yeah i think um just in the church when people first step in uh i mean just the kindness and you know on unchallenged friendship and Unity is unmistakable um, mm -hmm. to being that of the Lord's, right? Uh, right? So, I mean, beautifully put, absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, that's that's one of my favorite parts about the church is all the people and friendships. And, um, I mean, I've, I've been here for most of my life, and I already know so many people. And it's, it's just been such a large community that I'm so grateful for. 
Um, yes, we, we need each other, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, so genealogy is important in the church. What do you know about your name and family history? Well, you know what? I know a lot, actually. Um, I have actually written a book about my family history, and it's been on file at the uh, Genealogical Library. Um, my name, Peak, of course, is my dad's surname. Um, my mother's maiden name, and, and she'll probably curse me for this, but her maiden name is Schnitzler, and uh, Schnitzler is German. Um, with potentially some uh, Swiss years back. But um, this actually is spelled P-E-E-K. The uh, oldest record that I have access to back in the 1700s was originally spelled P-E-E-C-K-E. -E -E. And... and if you were from Holland, it would have been pronounced Paik. And so to a census taker, when somebody says Paik, they probably said Peak and spelled it P-E-E-K. And so pretty much all of the Paiks are peaks, not the mountain peak, P-E-E-K. So, and then there's Pecks. And so I'm sure over the years, many variants have come from the name, and it's kind of hard to sort it out, but the name Peak really is Dutch. And uh, we know that uh, um, our, the Peak line very early in the 1600s, uh, Jan Peak settled uh, Peekskill, New York, and uh, then the descendants from there spread east or uh, west, I should say. And so I, I find my family line very strong in St. Joseph County in Michigan. And then eventually they came to the Madison area. And then from there, they spread north and west as land opened up. And so, yes, so my, the name Peak is originally a Dutch name. Gotcha. And, okay. you know, and, you know, I, I, in genealogy, the reason why I've been so in, interested in genealogy literally is because of Dolores Peak, my mother. Uh, she joined the church because she knew the Book of Mormon was true. And she has stayed in the church because the spirit of Elijah has, has worked and motivated her so much to, to provide salvation her ancestors and so she was a great example to me um, in growing up in the church especially as a young boy day I would drive with my mother and look at cemeteries and so uh, look for markers and stuff and so that was kind of my upbringing in the church on, on any time during the school that or non-school days I was if I was not fishing I would be looking at gravestones with my mother. So genealogy is a very important part of my life and of course, very important in the church. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of stuff there. Um, and it sounds like that's like a very centered root in, in your life right now. And we've, we've all seen that then, uh, then transferred to our, our church history as the cross ward. Um, but very interesting. You mentioned you you wrote a book about family history. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Well, not a, no, I, not, not a book about family history, a, a book about the peak line. So it's about the peaks. And because, uh, you know, one of the things that your uh, audience may not be aware of, but the church is a very, very active, uh, is very active in gathering records. Of course, we've been a record keeping uh, church since it was established. And so they are actively seeking missionary journals. They are actively seeking any um, personal journals or diaries. So for example, my mother, Dolores Peak, um, she, uh, she finished her 
up until 2020. And so uh, we had that bound and uh, sent off to the Family History Library. Um, and so the church, when they receive journals and diaries, they, they, they assess it to where it needs to go. It may, if it's full of family content, it will probably go to the Family History Library. If it's activity, uh, uh, such as missionary journals, they will go to the Family History Library, or not the family, the Church History Library. So one will go to Family History, and the other one will go to Church History. So it just depends on what you have, but the church will take anyone's journals and, and family history and church history that you have gathered. Um, they love to receive that information. Wow, very interesting. Um, I think in the future, as we progress in time, I think we'll see the church's hand in historical artifacts because that is something um, that you've, you've worked a lot on uh, within our area and the church has so many records and um, it's a very cool piece of history that sometimes I, I don't think about how fortunate I am to have access to these early historical records of mm -hmm. uh, the people of the Americas, right? So very, very interesting. Um, what is unique about you? Oh, I don't know. I asked my wife that question a while back. I don't think there's really a whole lot unique about me. I'm missing, I think, my lateral incisors, so any dentist out there can to the, uh, to the audience. But other than missing my lateral incisors, or maybe I have them and I'm missing something else. I'm missing a lot of things. Um, you know, I actually, a lot of people may not know this, but I was a 70. There are a few members of our Seventy, and uh, a lot of people think, well, that's a general authority calling, and it is. But years ago, stakes were organized into as well, and so myself and uh, at this point, it's just myself and brother Steve Sorensen, I think, are the only two left in our ward that were actually uh, ordained seventies that were assigned missionary responsibilities. And so eventually the, when the uh, regional uh, reps, representatives to the Quorum of 12 were, were abolished, and then the first, second, fourth, fifth quorums of the 70 were established, then the state quorums of 70 were, were disbanded, and then we were appropriately assigned either to elders quorum or high priest. So perhaps that is one. Uh, another. Maybe another one is uh, I had the unique opportunity to serve like the mission when it was very first organized. I was actually in the first group called officially after the organization of the state of Utah as a mission. It was the last area in the United States a mission because every stake had organized quorums of 70. And so despite still having organized quorums of 70, the church felt the need to mission. And then, um, oh, I don't know, the other, maybe the other thing that I thought of was I, I had the wonderful blessing of serving as a branch president in Winona, Minnesota. And then, um, I was released as branch president there, and then 45 minutes drove back to La Crosse and sat in the back of the chapel and uh, was sustained as the bishop. And, um, and a lot of people turned around to figure out, one, where is our peak for those of them who knew me? And then there was a whole bunch that had no clue who our peak was, so... Just a few strange little things about our peak. Mostly strange. Both both of those are very unique, um, and, and they I, I can see how that contributes to to your personality and very very unique uh, events in your personal life. So, 
from here now we'll go into these rapid fire segments. So these okay. um are are just little get to know you questions, and we'll we'll hop through them. Um, okay, that's good with you. If you could serve a mission anywhere in the world, where would it be? Hey, if I could serve a mission in, um, I would serve in Germany because that is the homeland of both my wife, a lot of my wife's ancestry, and a lot of my ancestry. So um, I would love. However, I don't know if I want to learn a language. Of course, pretty much English as well. I guess some more, perhaps. I'm going to take that all. I'm going to say if I had an opportunity to serve a mission anywhere in the world, it would be to serve and set up a visitor center in where the the lumber uh I always thought it'd be kind of cool to have very very cool would you be able to uh to talk to members who are coming in about history and and historical events yeah you know that's you follow the lakes and um, so, uh, I think we just need to do a better job of putting black on the map because there are some significant events that have happened in this area. So it would be fun to, to entertain members as they came through. Yeah, I, I think that would also be very fun. I would share that interest. Do you have a favorite genre of music? Yes, I do. Probably would be the 70s. Smash Young, Dan Folgerberg. Maybe that's what it would be considered as. Soft rock, 70s. Do you have a favorite hymn? A favorite hymn. Um, You know... I'm hearing impaired, and so I've never really did a lot of singing. I love to listen to music and listen to people sing, and so I love all music. Uh, I love all of the hymns. Um, um, you know, I, I guess uh, Spirit of God, or maybe a, there is a Green Hill Far Away. Um, I guess those would come to mind. Yeah, th- those are fantastic choices. But I I also would struggle um, if I was asked this question. I don't I don't know if there is a favorite that I have out of all of them. They're also fantastic. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, to di- diagnose a person who has the beginning cell. Because I, I know I, I don't think it's realistic to say that, that I would diagnose anybody who I, I just think we're all we're all conditioned to mortality. However, but it would be kind of cool power to diagnose somebody who might have we before it gets to be life threatening. I always. Because I actually am a cancer survivor, so I've always thought that would be kind of a cool power to be able to diagnose cancer before um, it spread to a life-threatening situation. Yeah, um, that's all actually branch off of that. I read uh, an article about a person who could smell uh, specific types of ailments, so they worked for like airport security. And if someone had uh, like a sickness, they could they could smell it off of them, and it was just overly apparent to them. So maybe they could be like your sidekick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there. You... Uh, do you have a favorite beverage? Yes, without well, I have two. Two favorite beverages. One is. 
and then the other one is ginger ale. I am a connoisseur of ginger ale. Any I have tried almost any brand that I can get my hands on. Yeah, I think I think ginger ale is uh, great. I don't share that with my family, uh, so we don't have a lot of ginger ale in our household. But anytime there is, I think it's it's great to have just an ice cold can. And if I like well, I and I like the ginger ale that has bits of ginger at the bottom. So, okay, next question. <laughs> uh, if you had to buy a food in large amounts of bulk, what would you buy? If I were to buy food in large amounts, what would it be? Probably beef jerky. Beef jerky. Do you have like a yeah. flavor or like seasonings? No, I am. I like a natural, original flavored beef jerky. Jerky. I I, I am I am uh, Sasquatch's best friend. I I think um I mean a piece of me left after the beef jerky outlet in on Alaska. I know uh, it wasn't closed. <laughs> it was, and I feel like they had a fantastic business model. I would not understand why they would have closed. There is like thing. I don't know. If, I I don't know if they closed in the Wisconsin Dells, but there is one down in Wisconsin Dells as well. But I don't know if that's open or not. Well, let's let's hope for the best, and yes. we'll, we'll see. We pray for those small miracles, right, Sam? Exactly. Yes. Do you have a favorite movie or TV show? Favorite movie? Um, you know, I guess I'm an old time John Wayne movie fan. Um, pretty much, I I love old westerns. I like some of the new westerns that are uh, nature. I I am a I am a western movie watcher. Actually, you know what? Last night, my um, um, we just saw the beginning of seven, and um, uh, we stayed up all night and watched that. We haven't seen that in twenty years, and it was just good to watch a good old classic musical, but um, no, pretty much John Wayne movies, uh, True Grit. Yeah, uh, fantastic choice. I think uh, a lot of those older westerns have a lot of character and, and uh, great plot lines to them. And you know what, Sam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add one more movie I like a lot, and that is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. The new oh, version yes. with Ben Ben Stiller. I like that movie. That was um, a, a major part of my childhood. I, I loved that movie. And um, from there, it was a daily occurrence in which I would say, stay gold, pony boy. Um, and that is a reference to different pieces of literature. But they, they say that in there. And, and so I, I would say that every day at school. Oh, okay. Um, do you have a favorite candy? Favorite candy? Um, you know, yes, it would be just dark chocolate. I like your, I like dark chocolate. I like any dark chocolate that is 70% or higher. Um, what is, I don't know if I was reading your mind. What is my favorite? You know, I have bought probably, 10 dark chocolate bars and I've done blind taste testing on them. And um, there's only a couple that I didn't care for all that much, but for me, um, lint, I, I do like the 72 or 78% lint dark chocolate, but I, I really like, cause it's a little bit cheaper, but I, anything that has 14% carbs or less, that's how you tell a good chocolate because you know um, just because it says dark chocolate does not mean it's dark chocolate you look at the carbs on the back if, if it's 22% carbs which is like dove chocolate even though it says dark it's not really dark chocolate it's dark chocolate flavored so you really need to look at something that's about 14 13 12 percent carbs and then you know you're eating quality dark chocolate. 
I think there's a lot of cheaper brands that want to rip you off in the dark chocolate market. So right. you need to you need to keep an eye out. Yes, you do. If you had to paint your entire house one bright exotic color, what would you paint it? I would paint it now when you say bright exotic color, I guess I would paint it I would paint it a uh, baby blue. Baby. No, no, I would I would paint a um a uh, lavender like a like a, a I'm a pastel lover. All my shirts are pastel colors. So a nice pastel lavender color. I think lavender is great. Um, and, and I know I talked about this in the last uh, episode, but I think lavender is just like the, the cure all ailments. Like just it put some is. lavender on it. It is. Absolutely. Um, so what is your dream job? My dream job. Well, you know what? I actually, I, uh, this is going to be a confession, but my, one of my first jobs in my career, in my life, catcher for the city of Onalaska. And so, um, so being the, you know, with animal control and I always loved animals. I always wanted to be a veterinarian, but I just realized early on in high school that, Science was just not my, was not high up on my aptitude um, test to be able to do. So I've always wanted to be a veterinarian. That would have been my dream job. A veterinarian, wildlife biologist. Those, those are pretty good choices. I think working with animals would be pretty fun at that point. Um, if you could master any type of instrument, what instrument would it be? Piano. Piano. Uh, do you Piano. have any favorite pieces that you'd want to play? No, I think I would just uh, like to master any the piano so I could actually play church hymns and and, and uh, um, I just think it comes in handy in a lot of applications and uh, that would have been that would have been enjoyable to have learned the piano. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite book? A favorite book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A favorite book. Um, in terms of literature, you know, I like Jack London books. books. Uh, one of my all-time favorite books was a short story called "To Build a Fire" by Jack London. Um, highly recommend it to the audience to build the fire by Jack London. It really is a great study on human behavior and being kind and the uh, karma that can come to haunt you in the end. Yeah. um, I I haven't read a lot of London's work, but I, I think in the future I'll look, I'll look forward to doing that within my English classes in, in high school and college. Yes, and you uh, read, read To Build a Fire. I think, Sam, you half an hour. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, do you have a favorite church authority? And I'll note here, as a previous member of the 70, I think uh, you can say yourself. I'm not crossing no, that off. No, no. Uh, favorite church authority? Um, uh, yeah. Um, boy, Sam, that's a good question. Um, many church history that I love. I, you know, I guess I would say Wilfred Woodruff because okay. because the reason why is because he more than any other leader such a record. And it's because his record has such a scent of the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith available to us. Yeah, fantastic. I think that's a that's a quintessential part of our church today. So we should be very thankful to that, to him for, for giving us that. Um, if you had to smell one scent for the rest of your life, what scent would it be? 
Oh, sorry, what was that? You cut out. Um, oh, yeah. Um, if you always had to smell one scent for the rest okay. of your life. Yeah. One scent. I was thinking, well, if I had a scent, it'd be a Lincoln penny. But no, I understand the question, though. Um, one it, it would be blossoms in the spring. A lime, lime, you said? Apple blossoms in the spring. Apple blossoms. Absolutely. Um, we've, we've tried getting some some apple trees going, um, but but I think once once all the scents start coming in, maybe we'll be able to appreciate that this year. Yes. Do you have a favorite song? A fa- um, um, uh, I actually, I, but you, you know, know what? what? It's embarrassing. I, it's a Dan Fogelborg song. Um, it's, it's a song that he wrote about his ancestry. Um, Oh, I something about the life of my fathers or something like that. Uh, but it's a great song about genealogy and his genealogy, how he wrote it and compiled it. I I think I would expect nothing different uh, from your favorite song to be about genealogy. <laughs> um, if you could live in one decade forever, what decade would it be? 1970. 1970. What what events were going on that would have made you want to be there? Well, I don't know. That was kind of the high school, school years. That was um, that was that was it. Just was a. Great, uh, just I think. It was just to live in for me personally, the seventies. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I say, well, I could, I, I'd love, uh, you know, to be Jeremiah Johnson, mountain, as a mountain man. But you know what? I think it's just perfect for me. I, I think the seventies would be pretty fun to, to be in. Um, do you have a favorite number or, or specific number that you like or use a lot? A favorite number. Um, um, you know, I've never, I've never thought about a favorite number. Um, 12. 12. Fantastic. Why, why 12? I don't know. It seems to be a nice balance. Nice even number for it. Twelve apostles. Uh, twelve. Um, I don't know, but twelve just seems to be a nice, a nice righteous number. So when it comes to numbers, you you base that off of church authorities and poultry. There we go. Yes, when I play the lottery, <laughs> when I play the lottery, I use I use no, I don't play the lottery, but. Um, yeah. Uh, if you could live with any animal, what animal would it be? A uh, uh, snow leopard. Snow leopard. Uh, why a snow leopard? They're uh, rare. They're gorgeous. And um, I sure would like to get to know them better. I, I think that might be fun uh, to, to have a snow leopard. You need to get one of those pretty big towers that people usually have for cats. Um, I'm sure they might make them in in bigger sizes, though. Yes, yes, we would just have to make our own. Uh, in your opinion, what is the best continent? The best continent is oh, con- condiment like oh, salt con- or pepper. Condiment. Yes. Um, <laughs> condiment would be uh, mustard. Mustard. What do you have any foods you like best with mustard? Um, I like a lot of stuff with mustard. Um, I like, uh, you know, I used to just growing up, I used to make mustard sandwiches. I used to just take 
into pieces of bread and that would be my sandwich. Wow, that's that's a pretty extreme love for mustard. <laughs> right. And then on occasions I would throw in a few slices of onions in that as well. <laughs> uh, mustard, onion, and bread sandwich. <laughs> uh, if you could master the art of baking one item, what item would it be? Did you say making or baking? Making, sorry. Making an item. Um well, that's another great question, Sam. If I could master the uh, art of making an item, well, you know, actually, when I'm officially retired, and I said that, so please don't call me anyone for me to do any favors. But just kidding. But no, one of my to do things is to do some stained glass. I've always thought that would be fun. I would love to master uh, stained glass making stained glass panels or some uh, sun catcher or something like that. Yeah, so uh, with stained glass, I, I did some volunteer work for the Artspire program. And mm -hmm. uh, one year, the theme was working with fibers. So they I helped set up uh, about like a dozen, uh, that, that theme from before, about like a, a dozen tents and they all had these large glass panels uh, that they had previously made and it is scary because you're a volunteer worker and you don't want to you don't want to mess up this the stained glass that these people made um took so much time for but it was also pretty um in the the final setup and so i in that experience gained quite an appreciation for the the art of stained glass wow that's wonderful um, what is your favorite book in the Book of Mormon? My favorite book in the Book of Mormon. Um, that's a good question. That's a great question. You know, the odds would be third Nephi for the coming of the Savior appearance. However, uh, I, I like... I like uh, um, I, I guess I would like, I like First Nephi. I just kind of like how it all started. Yeah. And then, uh, that's, yeah, how, how it just, how the, how the journey started for the, for the Book of Mormon. I think, uh, it's, it's a pretty conveniently and deliberately placed order in, in how the Book of Mormon goes. So to have First Nephi as, the, the first section is a, is a powerful statement that that's what uh, was that's what the Lord first wanted us to know and, and that story. Uh, yep. It's a very, very good choice. What makes you laugh? What makes me laugh? Makes me laugh. Well, that one is a great question too, Sam. I don't, I don't know if I've ever thought about it. A funny joke, a great story, with a funny ending, as long as it's embarrassing. You know, kind of sometimes a little embarrassing stories are kind of fun to. Um, um, but um, yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I just a, a nice. Clean, funny story. Uh, puns, yeah. actually, a lot of puns. Um, that uh, kind of make—I don't know if they're puns, but uh, um, like women got married and their children weren't much to look at. <laughs> that's 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 a good one. Um, <laughs> I've heard that one before. I think. Puns are excellent. Uh, just I don't know. Every once in a while, you hear one um, that takes you a moment, and then by the end, uh, if if it takes some concentration, by the end, it's all the more worth it to have yes, taken that's the time. Right. To yep. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, what's the best season? The best season? Yeah. Like for me, it's fall. Okay. Do, I love do you fall. have any do you have any fall time activities you like to do? Well, uh, yeah. my dad was an outdoor 
my grandfather was a professional meat provider for a lumber cap in northern northern Minnesota. Um, you know, we grew up on venison, squirrel, rabbit, partridge, fish, deer, everything. So, environment. Uh, um, I uh, enjoy fishing now in my later years, and um, I just enjoy being in the outdoors for the most part. Not, I don't necessarily need to hunt and like being in the outdoors. Watch the animals and watch um, nature. Yeah, and so, I mean, fall is pretty perfect. If, if you're an outdoors person to be able to go and have nice weather and minimal bugs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, if you became famous, what would you be famous for? Um, if I would be famous, what would I be famous for? Um, boy, where do you come up with these great questions? Um you know, these questions remind me of like some of these job interviews. What is your, what skills are you good at and this and that? I don't, those are questions that make a person uncomfortable. Um, I would, I would love to be known. That's. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, if you had to run into any celebrity at the airport, who would it be? Um, celebrity, top-notch celebrity, um, you know, I've kind of, celebrities for the most part have, have, I've, I've kind of drifted away from the Hollywood scene for the most part, celebrities, uh, um, Actually, I think it would be Sam Heisey. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I'll let you know, since you're interested in history, this question uh, came from a different podcast I was listening to, and uh, a person ran into Joe DiMaggio at the airport. Oh. And <laughs> so I was in about like my second or third episode uh, when, I, when I heard that, so I thought I need to add in that as a yeah. question. Well, these are, yeah, these are really thought-provoking questions, Sam, that you've come up with. Thank I have you. run into celebrities. I ran into at the Banff Springs Motel, Hotel up in, uh, up in, uh, uh, in Alberta, up in Banff, Alberta. But um, at, at the Banff Springs Hotel when uh, we were, Susan and I were up there visiting some friends. So at this point, we're moving out of rapid fire, and this is where I'm I'm very excited. This is the segment I'm excited for uh, most. So people at home, uh, buckle up, because we're about to get the best, highest uh, quality lesson on board history. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, just can you give us a brief rundown about, like, what, what you know, what you enjoy learning, um, how, what, what you educate people on? Um, you know, that opens up venues and stuff to discuss. I don't know what angle to come. Uh, perhaps what I need to do is to share with you where I'm going so that people are aware of what they could possibly look for. Because there's actually been a number of developments in the last few years with this church history um actually one of the the area authority 70 is actually somewhat interested in it um as well and uh for our region as well as uh the department they're interested in a segment of our church history in this area a couple segments of it and so um so, you know, I guess, you know, eventually uh, there's going to be sort of a 
composition of materials that will be assembled that will be the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in West Central Wisconsin. And that actually has changed for many of the readers or audience listeners out there may not be aware of this, but um, the original history I started back in 1983 when I was the executive secretary to then uh, Bishop Paul Robinson. Um, I became aware of a number of records in the clerk's office the credential office, and of course, my mother, being a very member of the branch um, back in the mid 50s, which makes me then a very early member. There's actually only three other members of our ward, or two other members of our ward who have longer membership in this ward than I do. One of the the oldest, the longest one is a member who is, that I shall not disclose, but um, has not been um, involved. And, and then another, the other members, my mother, and then myself. And so, uh, so with that history, I've kind of been around enough and people ask, well, do you know this person or that person? And, and so I did. And then becoming the executive secretary to Bishop Robinson, I had access to other records and and then uh, various times throughout my church service career, I, we started to assemble more of these records. We became aware of an attempt to establish a branch in La Crosse in October of 1900 by a group of missionaries. That lasted about 11 years and then was disbanded. And then there wasn't really any, there was multiple attempts with a few members in the area, but nothing until 1953. Um, so we started to gather. We were kind of done. And then I had to put it of my calling as a branch president in Winona and Bishop here, another that just took time away um and so and currently i've able to do much with the history uh, uh susan and i are another history project which is rochester minnesota state history and so that that project has uh kind of consumed my time along with the uh the ward history and Ongoing every year. Just recently, I sort of had an epiphany, and we do is we're going to still do a history of the Lacrosse Ward from 1953 to to about the just past 2000, and it's going to be odds and ends of history because that's what we have. We've gathered all of the. Uh, photos, the primary scrapbooks, the Relief Society, some other quarterly reports. And so we're just kind of assembling all of that as is the order. And so that's going to be one volume. And then the other volume, which is going to be more or inclusive, will be that the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Wisconsin. Because West Central Wisconsin, and when I say West Central Wisconsin, it basically goes Leva and Strum down to Richland Center. And we could probably include Eau Claire and then to the Mississippi River. So that that in and of itself is a very unique area as well as a very unique area in the establishment of the church because in this area we have multiple religious groups that have broke off from the church such as the uh, the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now known as Christ we also have 
the many remnants of the remnants which happened in Wisconsin and there um, in the mid 1840s after the death of Joe uh, James Strang in southern Wisconsin um, broke off and then eventually many of them train up in the Apostle Islands many of them actually came to Black River Falls and then of course many of us are aware um, of the of the Mormon Cooley Road on the south end of La Crosse and that is the Apostle Lyman White who came back up here and Smith established himself here for a bit so um so as this history begins to unfold and then in the journals that all of a sudden were made available um the growth of this history project turned out into two volumes from 1830 1899 and then from 19 thousand and that is why now I have combined much of that information back into one volume and then our one record and then the other record will be the lacrosse ward history and so the other record which is the uh, the history of the church in, in the west central Wisconsin will include all of the history in this area, especially the confusing history of Jackson County Falls and the, the, and once the founding of the La Crosse Ward, the Veroca Branch, the Sparta Branch, uh, Baraboo, Prairie Sheen, Adams Friendship, and Eau Claire, and then the other, some of the other units and so, um, so that will become a true history. And I guess if I were to say something that I hope is prophetic, I pray that it would be prophetic. It would be the foundational material for a stake in La Crosse, Wisconsin, or somewhere in our West Central region kind of great if we had a stake here and we already have much of the early stake already written up so so anyway so that's kind of where things are going to go and so right now I am current volume one and volume two and creating two of right and um and then those will be made available on the church history site so people can look at their leisure or download. I do not believe, but uh, they will be made available online. Wow. So, so the other, no, you keep on going. <laughs> so the other thing that I think uh, do is to create a sort of area map of church history sites within the La Crosse Ward area, because we do have some. We do have Mormon Cooley Road and where the saints settled in that neck of the woods. We have Mormon River Falls. We have Roaring Creek, the very first lumber mill. We have uh, two other lumber mills in, um, in um, uh, three other in uh, Black Falls. We have uh, Cunningham Creek, which is north of Black River Falls. Cunningham Creek is named after Elijah Cunningham. He is the only north, um, member of the church who came up here to lumber. Um, pines for the Nauvoo Temple that actually died. He actually fell. Uh, he fell through a raft of logs. 
back up to get air. And so, um, so that is that creek is named after him. And then when you get to Nielsville, there are a number of camp sites up there, logging camps, as they were called, where they cut and they would ship it down the Black River to the mills in Black River. So, um, and then we have, then we have Prairie du Chien, which I have shared this with many of the members who are listening, no doubt, but in Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, is the very first apostle that was ever called this dispensation is buried. He was uh, Lyman Johnson. He was the very first one called. And back then, when the, uh, the original quorum of the 12 was chosen, uh, they eventually were arranged in seniority. And so age uh, was became the head of the quorum of the 12. And so, um, and Lyman Johnson was just a young boy of 21 or so. So, um, um, and then west into Iowa is the great Williams brother of Joseph and Hiram Smith. He is the last living sibling of Joseph Smith Sr. and Lucy Max Smith, and he is buried across the river in Osterdock. And then up in Galesville, we have Galesville is a cemetery, and in that cemetery, you'll see the gravestone of Nephi Nichols, and that's another story that is in our area. And then in Galesville, there is a cemetery stone yet to be found. I have not looked for it yet, but I know he is buried in the Galesville Cemetery. That's Stoner. After Parley P. Pratt, who gave him a boy, the infant, and to live, and he did live. So now, but all things have some good and some bad. And so, um, but yet they all contributed in some way to the historical content of this area, as well as into the building up of the kingdom of God upon this earth. And so this area does have a lot of great church history. And um, it would be exciting to, to have some, maybe uh, get a few other members who will be retired and we can give tours, bus tours. And uh, who knows what we could do with that, right, Sam? Absolutely. <laughs> um. So it really sounds like you're able to be doing some optimal work that is that's beneficial and it, it fits your uh, exact line of sight of where you want to be. Yeah. There's actually a couple presentations that um, that I'm hope probably not this year. Actually. Um, to two different organizations. One would be to the Church History Symposium. The, to the um, to the um, to the John Whitmer Historical Society, and so the Church History one would be dealing with the Church in Wisconsin. And the same would be the. Uh, um, John Whitmer Historical Society. The John Whitmer Historical Society is actually to all groups of uh, of association with the the historical church under the so um, because when Joseph Smith died, then many names of these churches became known we became known as the Brighamites and then there were the Josephites and the Whitmerites and the Strangites and and so on and so on and there were hundreds of break off religions, Cutlerites and so forth that were formed from the original 
um, church that was founded in 1830. And so this, this historical society is devoted to all of those religions based from the original church in 1830. Now very, that we very... have everybody of... <laughs> um, so thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed listening in personally to hearing local history. I'm excited for those uh, different volumes of all of that combined and I can I can look through myself. Uh, so at this point we're reaching about an hour. Um, so yep, I'm yeah. I'm gonna wrap. <laughs> uh, so thank you so very much, uh, Brother Pete, for being willing to sit down and uh, talk talk over your life and um, and your knowledge on word history. And you know what? Thank you, Sam, for what you do. And, uh, and of course, I've already, for if the audience wants to be aware, I've asked Brother Heisey to actually share with us his thoughts about these podcasts and our award history for 2021, because I think it's an amazing thing. And okay. if anybody out there is interested in having a one-on-one -on -one church history lesson, we will certainly do it over a breakfast of biscuits and gravy. Absolutely. Count, count me in for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, everyone at home. Thank you for listening. Uh, bye-bye. Yep. Yeah. Bye-bye.